Previously on House of Phantods, Cassandra finds herself inhabiting the body of fifteen-year-old Cassandra in another dimension, one set in a past eerily similar to the 1968 of her dimension, and the CIA has followed her there. I am going to die, and I have no idea why in interdimensional body-swapping time-travel hell I am laying here thinking about it. I value my sleep, even when I'm inhabiting somebody else's body. So why am I waking out of a nice, peaceful sleep with the certainty that I'm going to die? I'm in a strange place, in somebody else's body and bed, surrounded by eyelet lace, and I have no idea why. But I sure as hell know I'm going to die. I woke myself up to remind myself of it. Of the things I'm more likely to forget, death is not one of them. Simone's voice breaks through the sound of my heart pounding through my chest. She asks if I'm having another memento mori moment. Among the things that annoy me about alternate Cassandra's habits is her using Simone as an alarm clock rather than use the wind-up one that sits dead on the nightstand. Memento mori moment, I reply. What new level of fuckery is this? I've noticed that nothing ever really surprises Simone. She doesn't even seem surprised that I need an explanation about this. She says they've been calling it her memento mori moment ever since I confided in her about it. It only happens when she's sleeping, but it's not a dream. It's more like an alarm clock designed by Edgar Allan Poe a bony finger prodding alternate Cassandra awake with a sudden thought, you are going to die. When it first started, it terrified her. Took her a while to realize it didn't mean imminently. It didn't mean she was going to die at that very moment. It just woke her to remind her, without actually implying there was any imminent danger. That first time it happened, she dozed off on the bus, scared the shit out of her, and it never stopped, at least once a week, sometimes more. Memento Mori wakes alternate Cassandra from a dead sleep to remind her she's going to die. That's dark, any way you cut it. But even weirder is the fact that I'm not alternate Cassandra. I'm me. So why am I having alternate Cassandra's memento mori moment? Is this one of those aspects of multidimensionalism the science fiction writers failed to mention? The dream I'd been having when it woke me was a whole new twist on the school dream. I'd missed three math quizzes because I'd been avoiding doing the hard part of being alternate Cassandra 
and I was destroying her grade point average because of it. But hey, at least I wasn't sitting in class naked while the teacher lectured me on the importance of being there for the important stuff. So here I am in alternate reality, surrounded by eyelet lace and your usual run-of-the-mill paranormal sounds going bump in the night, along with the perfunctory heavy breathing that always seems to plague paranormal hot spots, wondering why this is all happening. Why am I here in 15-year-old me in alternate 1968? And my mind isn't helping. It keeps randomly responding, why not? Only the mind of a novelist would go there. So maybe it's fitting that I'd be randomly waking from a dead sleep to remind myself I'm going to die. Why not? I notice Simone's got that damn Bell and Howell Super 8 video camera in her hand. She's taken to carrying it around with her everywhere since the CIA gave it to her. I ask her if she's planning on filming me as I dress for school, and she looks shocked. What? You don't think that's half the reason they've got everyone on the planet under surveillance in my dimension? Bunch of depraved freaks. Of course, that's not what I say. Instead, I say she's creeping me out with that thing. Of all the things it's taken getting used to here, the constant presence of Simone, as well as being immersed in a highly social environment at the high school, has been the hardest. I'm a recluse by nature. Most writers are. Combine Simone's constant presence with a movie camera, and I can't even. She takes the clue and leaves me alone while I get ready for school while trying not to think about the math quiz I was planning to avoid. Instead, I think about the CIA and why they're here in this dimension. And I wonder why I can't get this damn Mockingbird song out of my head. Is somebody trying to show me something? Does it have anything to do with new math? Because I've got a quiz in it today and haven't a clue. I was thinking a nice long shower would help me think it all through, but it did anything but that. This shower head is apparently loaded for bear. I guess this dimension hasn't figured out low-flow shower heads yet, because this one's flow is so hard it's given me welts, and the last thing I want is to take a soak in that massive Victorian clawfoot tub. We've all seen those movies where the clueless leading lady meets a climactically gruesome end in one of them. Just looking at the thing gives me a memento mori moment. And then there's what alternate Marina said. I suppose I've sought her out because in my dimension she's a powerful empath who tends to take on the symptoms of other people's medical afflictions, so lives a more reclusive life out of necessity. If she's as much of an empath in this dimension, 
the two of us should be able to relate on that level. You're not who you were last week, she says, point blank, just like the marina from my dimension. You weren't a weirdling last week. This week you are. In that voicemail she left me, Marina from my time and place said we can talk about multidimensionalism later. I wish we hadn't put it off. When she called me a weirdling, my first thought was, either alternate Marina really is just as powerful an empath in this dimension, or she's the subject of an after-school special about the dangers of teen drug use. At least, that's what I was thinking until she floored me with a question I was not expecting. Is your gargoyle sick or something? My what? She was looking at the top of my head when she said it. You'd think I'd get used to that, but I've had so much going on that I'd completely forgotten about my daemon. I could pretend I haven't a clue what she's talking about, but among the similarities she shares with the paladin from my dimension, this marina doesn't seem to suffer fools gladly. She was sitting by herself in front of the high school after the parking lot had thinned out, waiting for her mom. I had to wait for Simone to get out of her A.V. club meeting, so I figured it was the perfect opportunity to engage. What I didn't expect was for her to start with my daemon. So I tell her the marina from my dimension calls it my daemon, but it's her mom who sees them, not her. Then I ask her why she's calling it a gargoyle. She says most of the ones she sees look like the gargoyles that sit outside old stone buildings, and mine more than anything else looks just like a griffin. I chuckle and say, maybe I'll call mine Peter. Peter, she says? Yep, I reply, Peter Griffin. Let me guess, she says. Peter Griffin is some powerful guardian in your world. Oh, yeah, I nod. Big time. He protects the world from random giant yellow chickens. She stares at me for a minute and then asks if there's a lot of giant yellow chickens where I come from. I just smile and shrug. This marina has such a dry, deadpan wit it's hard to tell if she's joking with me or serious. Did she really just out me as an interdimensional traveler inhabiting the body of my alternate self? Being able to see daemons is one thing, but being able to detect the presence of an alternate identity in someone is another entirely. How does she do it? It's your daemon, she said, interrupting the thought, which tells me alternate Marina is also just as clairvoyant as my Marina. Maybe more. The other Cassandra's daemon is entirely different, she says. For one thing, it doesn't snarl as much. Yours definitely doesn't want anyone coming near you. But mostly, the poor thing looks lost and frightened. I wonder briefly 
if in this dimension alternate Cassandra's daemon isn't reliant on its connection to the tall man. And then I wonder if the presence of a daemon is an indicator that the person is from another dimension altogether. But she quickly dispels that suspicion by comparing Wallace's daemon to mine. She tells me her daemon is the worst one of all, all teeth in this annoyingly menacing giggle, like it lives just to scare for the fun of it. <laughs> what she was describing sounded suspiciously similar to the demon in the bed I saw in that first dream I had of Wallace. Is it even possible that dream was giving me a glimpse of this dimension's Wallace and her daemon? But at least she's confirmed for me that people in this dimension do have them, which doesn't necessarily mean they're in any way connected to the tall man. There's usually a dragonfly hovering around, too, and I haven't seen a single dragonfly since I've been here. So I ask Marina about it. A what? she says, staring blankly. You've got flies that breathe fire in your dimension? No wonder you guys keep coming to this one. Your world sounds like a living hell. Giant yellow chickens and fire-breathing flies? I quickly changed the subject and asked her if she'd gotten a look at the two reps Simone got chummy with on career day. I wanted to know what their daemons look like. Oh, you mean those two puppets in suits, she replied. Puppets, I said. Yeah, neither of them had a daemon. I figured it was because of the giant tentacles operating them like puppets. Whatever that beast is must have scared their daemons off. <laughs> Simone just asked me if I'd write a narration for her first documentary of paranormal activity in the house. I can't decide if this means the CIA from my dimension is being manipulated by a giant cephalopod to exploit both psychics and creatives here, or just creatives, because as far as I can tell, my only psychic superpower here is random memento mori moments, and I'm not really sure that counts. Either way, it's beginning to look like Simone and I are interdimensional assets for the CIA, who themselves are controlled by something seemingly much more sinister than a random giant yellow chicken but all my instincts tell me to keep a lid on the fact that I'm not the foster sister she thinks I am. She's got enough layers of weirdness to deal with as a psychic finder who locates paranormal events. She doesn't need to locate the adult woman at the heart of the teenage Cassandra I'm inhabiting. I tell her I'm happy to write the narration, but only if we process the film ourselves. 
That way we can edit it before the puppets from Mockingbird Lane see it. Or even before it gets to the editing stage. Why not write the narration ahead of time? Stage a little paranormal event ourselves. And I think I know exactly where we can find a dark room. Humboldt State has a photography department, complete with dark room. And Stephen works at the university. It's just a matter of spinning a story that will hook him enough to get us into it. I steel myself for Simone's objections as I lay out for her my reasons for wanting to stage what she films. They want a narration, I tell her. But more than that, they're with the intelligence industry, which has historically been used to control the narrative. I promise you, movies will be made about their contribution to the narrative that got us into the Vietnam War. Let's flip the script and create the narration ourselves, the way we want. What I didn't tell her was how great it would feel to give Agent 1 and Agent 2 a taste of their own medicine with some street theater of my own. Besides, I have no idea what exactly it is they're looking for by having Simone film inside the House of Phantods. But the more we control the narrative, the less likely it is they'll find it. Her only condition was that I help her with the cost of the actual real footage she gets of paranormal activity. Fair enough. How much can a little extra film now and then cost me? It can't be that hard to score a babysitting job while inhabiting the body of a fifteen-year-old, can it? The real issue was just what we're going to stage. At first I was thinking the random appearance of a giant yellow chicken would be a blast. But it's too specific a reference to something from my place and time. We don't want the CIA alerted to the fact that someone in this house is not from here. It needs to be something that can be done with special effects available to us in alternate 1968. We can't use CGI or green screens. Just good old-fashioned FX. Mirrors and string and well-made stage props. And for that, we need another set of hands. With Simone holding the camera and me pulling the strings, we're short a person. And Wallace is definitely out. We need her to buy into the false narrative to add authenticity to it. She and her in-crowd at school are exactly what we need to create a buzz about Simone's films. The sale of a false narrative has always hinged on those with problems managing their suspension of disbelief. Why else would certain cults attract so many people from the entertainment industry? As powerful an empath as Marina is, she may not be able to set foot in the house, but she can be a sounding board. At least, that's what I was thinking when I approached her after a disastrous math quiz. I told her about a popular TV show from my time in which the characters stage paranormal activity for hire and how we want to do the same thing for the Mockingbird twins to throw them off the track of what's really going on in the House of Phantods. 
she surprised me with her response. Tentacles, she said. Tentacles? Yep. She suggested we have a specter float down the hall suspended by wires. Midway, giant tentacles come out of the wall and drag the specter through a hellish portal. It'll be fun. She says she's been thinking about it ever since she saw Agents 1 and 2 on career day. Making anatomically correct puppets together for the sex ed class is how Marina and her mom pass the time, and it's how she recognized that the two men from the CIA are puppets. The kid knows her puppets. Intimately, apparently. There is nothing more destructive to a conversation than casually mentioning anatomically correct sex ed puppets. In my dimension, certain religious values were included in the curriculum of public schools in the 1950s, and they've stubbornly held on, even if they've been disguised as being entirely secular, because apparently sex is an element so powerful in my dimension that only religion can control it. I'm thinking there are some distinct differences between this dimension and mine that I have yet to fully explore. I'm also thinking those differences could very well be the reason the CIA are here looking for creative input to take back to our dimension. I'm surprised they haven't developed an interdimensional sex puppet tourist industry as a side gig. Marina snaps her fingers and says, Hey! Your fifteen seconds are up. Time to stop thinking about sex and focus. Apparently, she's been explaining how the tentacles would work while I've been sitting here distracted by the word sex. In my defense, where I come from, the word alone has been known to cause entire empires to collapse. She explains just what we'll need for the specter and how I'll control it while she manages the tentacle puppets. I'm honestly not sure whether to be delighted or worried that Marina seems to have put so much thought into something so dark and creepy, especially when I ask her how she thinks she'll be able to handle being in the house. She says she's learned a technique that allows her to be in school and attend her classes for the important stuff. She envisions being inside a bubble. She calls it psychic shielding. I ask her what the bubble consists of, and she says for school, it's an impenetrable membrane that other people's energy can't get through. But for that house... She's thinking she'll envision the bubble being surrounded by death. Death? Marina's darkness has taken on a darker shade of dark. Ghosts are repelled by death, she says. It's why they're ghosts. I mean, isn't it their failure to accept that they're dead that defines them in the first place? Is this why alternate Cassandra and I have been having our memento mori moments? Is someone or something trying to teach us how to shield ourselves from the entities in the house? 
I'm not sure whether to wonder why or why not. Thank you.